Hey everyone, welcome back to Fly Cool Shit, episode 9, with Jeffrey P. What's up, dude? We are back. We're back. We're back. I love it. Back, back. We actually have at least, well, I think we have a couple listeners, actually, because um, got some feedback from that contest down in Texas, the Hill County Hammerfest from David, Dave Prather. He's actually a really cool dude. Dave Prather? Yeah, so I'm at Nationals. He flies really good. Really? Good pilot, yeah. Seems but, like a really uh, nice guy too. Did you see the picture of the steaks though? Oh, dude, made me hungry. I know, I know. I can't wait to get into your uh, your uh, big cross country trip. Let's see what kind of food you. Oh have. my god! I yeah, actually, you know what? I did eat a lot of barbecue. I was I was gonna say I don't think I, I had anything barbecue. of like big note, um, but I did eat pretty well. I did eat pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Um, fly flew an extra coast to coast. Yeah. Left so, from Florida, California. So you got, was this your first time in St. Augustine? It was my first time at Southeast Aero. So I had flown the Phenom 300 into St. Augustine for NetJets, like, feels like a lifetime ago, probably in like 2016, 2017. No, no, it would have been 2015, 2016. Okay. Um, and I, what's funny is I remember seeing an extra, um, Southeast Aero is on the complete opposite end, or not the well pretty they're close to like the other side of the runway kind of yeah yeah they're kind of like in their own little their own little nest um on one end like the north end of the runway or north end of the airport and then like the terminal fbo area is kind of on the south end um but i did see an extra taxi this is before i'd ever flown an extra uh, oh nice uh, but i but i was like totally you know an aerobatic nut and was flying the pits and stuff but it was super cool to see because you know you go to these some of these airports and um, what was cool about flying the Phenom is I could go into a lot of airports. And so we'd go into a lot of just random small airports, which St. Augustine's not. But um, I, I mean, when I went into Bentonville, that's when I saw the game bird in the factory and met Philip. I was like, holy, I, I was so like, you went there so on a mad trip? To go. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, dude, awesome. it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was super random. I, I flew, um, one of the Waltons was getting married and I fl- was flying somebody from San Francisco to Bentonville. Um, to go to the wedding and you had no idea or so, you were like, I had, no, I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> um, you know, I, I like welcomed her on, on the plane and I was like, Oh, you know, what brings you out to Bentonville? You, you going home, going, going to vacation or whatever. And, what brings and you out to the middle like, of nowhere? <laughs> dude, in my head, I was like, I'm so fucking mad. Like why, are, why am I going to Bentonville, Arkansas right now? Cause I know that it's not, there's, there's no, you know, um, Hyatt or, you know, nice hotel. I'm going to get some like crap hotel. But you need to be pampered. You're a delicate flower. Dude. You can't I be staying to... at no like Motel 6. No. Yeah, I think it was a Golden Garden Inn. Which is you have soft hands good. and nice eyes. Soft hands. That's not, no. These are not hardworking hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they need to be pampered. There are no calluses so, on yeah. your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were true. I wish I had pampered hands. I started life as an mecha- aircraft mechanic, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for, she's for like, oh, yeah, I'm for a wedding. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so sorry, like the whole flight. No, no, you're good. Uh the the whole flight I'm uh I'm like I'm like steaming and I'm like, man, I'm gonna get it's a long flight and it's like towards the end of the day. Like I'm definitely spending the night in Bentonville, Arkansas. Like whatever, and uh we're on we're on like fi- like we just switch over to CTAF or whatever, and I hear like Mustang and Spitfire you know, calling in the break. I'm like, no shit. Did I just, did I just hear that right? 
<laughs> and we touched down and I, I, ha- I happen to like, we're on like short final, like, like to the left and it's like the Walton's hangar I found out, but it had, ironically, it had Rob Holland's old MX2, whoever he sold it to, hangers it there, um, a Spitfire, a Mustang, some other Warbird that I can't remember, but, and a bunch of other, like, like a beaver on floats and, um, crazy stuff. Yeah. It's and, been, I, I went there. I got, I got lucky enough. I kind of tagged along on a trip with some people and yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere, but the town that they have, yeah. it's like, it's set up like a little city. It's really neat. And the airport, yeah. it's be- it's a beautiful airport. It's just, it is. I had a lot it's of fun. super clean. There. Yeah. No, it's super clean. And you realize who runs the town when you yeah, go through the town, right? But yeah. obviously. Um, but I mean, th- that airport is their own little like fuck around place. I mean, we yeah. park and like planes are just going. I have video of this. I'll see if I can find it. Um we park and I'm, I, I go from like, why the fuck am I here to like a pig and shit? Like I'm super happy. <laughs> like, Oh my God, there's warbers, there's aerobatic planes all over the place. You yeah, know, we park, call, shut call down. Mechanical. We can't leave. I'm sorry. We have a problem with the left tire. <laughs> Honestly, I went from not wanting to be there to like wanting. Uh, yeah. I, wanted, I was like, almost like, um, telling the other guy I was fine with like, dude, you can just go to the hotel. Like I'm just going to like airport bum right now. We did yeah. end up walking around, which is sweet, but they got a nice dude, restaurant. The, uh, oh, do they? Yeah, really nice restaurant. Um, I'm gonna have to go back. I'd love to. I, I got to reach out to Philip. For one, I'd love to have him on the podcast so we could talk to him. You've yeah. flown the Gamebird, which I'd love to talk to you about. Um, yeah, that's a, we got to save that for other. It's got to be an individual because I yeah, I'll, I'd love so to many that. good things to say about that airplane. There's a couple of things I'm not really a fan of about it, but um, really, uh, really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I got to be honest. Well, if I can tell you, um, this is super, if he hears this, it's, I, I don't want to out him just because he hasn't made it public maybe, but, um, somebody very, very well known in the aerobatic and airshow community, um, who has flown the Gamer, the NG, and then the MXS and, and other airplanes had some pretty, pretty favorable things to say about the GB1 compared to the NG, which yeah, that's really blew me away. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. It'll come out, right? <laughs> I think so. I, you know, and I, I'd love to, I, I'd love to pick his brain on th- just flying those airplanes and like their, their eccentricities. Cause you know, now I don't want to d- derail too much, but I, so we have to pin this and make sure we save and talk about the <laughs> yeah. GB one. Cause I want to talk about you flying the GB one. And I then I, I want to, yeah, I, it looks amazing. So anyway, um, you're in St. Augustine for the first time like five years ago, and then yeah, that's where we're so EDD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I love it. Uh, we, yeah, who cares, right? I'm sipping wine. I'm I'm half dead. I told my wife I was like I got I got that mush brain after a long flight. So I I'm I'm it's like all fresh in your mind. We got to get it out there to the public. They need to know. They need to know. They need to know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, we're gonna let them know. Um. So yeah. Anyway, I. I've flown to a lot of cool places in the, with the Phenom um, and granted bigger jets than the Phenom can go into St. Augustine, but that's how I ended up in St. Augustine. And I actually really liked the airport. And then I ended up staying at some golf resort um, that like, I, it's like the P I don't know if it's the PGA resort. I'm pretty sure that was St. Augustine. It's yeah. down a ways. You north or south? Um, I can't remember. It's probably not. It was a drive though. It was like not down. I, I, we didn't stay downtown, but we stayed at this like resort place. Yeah. It was probably the world golf village right off of uh, a, yeah, that's really nice yeah. there. 
it was really nice. And I just remember like, I, I mean, I really judge these places on like where they put us up and where we can stay, you know? Um, <laughs> and that was a really nice place. And I remember the airport being really cool. And obviously um, that part of St. Augustine is really cool, but I didn't get a much, I didn't really get to go downtown um, or really even explore much of the airport. Such so, a cool town. Such a cool town. It is so, okay. Have you ever been to Carmel or Monterey in California? No, I've never been to the West Coast. Oh, dude, when you we gotta we gotta do a trip. Yeah. Oh man, we gotta get you out here because when I was walking through St. Augustine, so I finally got to take in the town and stuff, uh, going to get my airplane, and it reminded me a lot of Carmel, which is where Pebble Beach is. Oh, neat. Um, or I mean, Carmel is not where Pebble. It right in that area, Monterey, Pacific Grove, and uh, Carmel is, and then Pebble Beach Golf Course is on the coast right there. Um, but uh, beautiful. I mean, St. Augustine is really nice. I mean, the food. Food is great. Uh, you People recommend nice. Mojo's. People yeah. are nice. Yeah. What'd you get at um, Mojo's? Did you get what I told you? No. So, well, yes, I did. So here's what I did. Barbecue. Ruby. I got the mm. I got the barbecue. I got the brisket sandwich Ooh. to eat there, and then I got the Reuben to go. Yes. Yeah, and I ate fatty. that for dinner. You're such a fatty. Dude, <laughs> dude that's how I roll. Was the Reuben on, was the Reuben on a Texas toast? Yes. It better be. Yeah. Because it, it didn't yeah. say it, and I'm like, I hope they still make it the same way because that was delicious. I didn't get it with cheese, but it was delicious. Mm-mm-mm. And then they got really that, like, good. that's the other good thing about that restaurant is they have the uh, ice there, that like little pebble ice. The pebble ice <sighs> where you can like, you drink, it's kind of like almost, almost snow cone, but like the, the ice mm. is really, it's like big. Yeah, I would, so go, to, like I would go back there just because of that. I wouldn't even care how the food was. So you got that crushed Dude. ice. Mm. The, the place hand. was good, man. It was good. Awesome. And then um, was a DOS coffee was really good. Um, you oh, you went great to recommendations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, My wife dude. and I, we want to move there. We literally want to move there. We love it there. And she didn't even know the extra factory or distributor was there. Went there on a whim. And um, long story short, she really fell in love with the town. And I couldn't be happier. <laughs> it's a super cute place, man. Um, I, I, I called my wife. I walked out of, uh, is it... Uh, Casa Monica? Yeah, Casa Monica. Casa Monica, which was another great recommendation by you. Right downtown, cool hotel. Um, totally had that. So much of St. Augustine reminded me of kind of old upscale California. Like the, the grounds were very Carmel, Monterey. Um, the food, like you could tell the restaurants were all pretty darn good there there was some touristy stuff but yeah. like that's that's kind of like that area where like you you know you see some these old institutions of of food and and um you know museums or um whatever it is parts of the town and then like you'll have like a ripley's believe it or not like stuffed yeah. in there you're like what the fuck but it's nice about? because like you know even though it's upscale it doesn't really it feels like but everybody minds their own business it's not like, it's not snooty at all. Like you don't see Ferraris, no. you don't see Porsches. It, it's a walking town, and yeah. everybody dresses normal. Nobody's walking around with like a Chanel bag and a and this and that, and you know all no. this crap. And that's why I love it because it's everybody's like it's just no keeping up with the Joneses, and everybody's cool and either holds the door or says hello. It's ain't nothing like New York. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Much. No, pe- <laughs> people were really nice. No, people were really nice. And the, um, it was clean. I, I have nothing but good things to say about St. Augustine. Cool. It was really nice. Oh, and it was a nice time to be there. Yeah. So anyway, was so, you, great. so you get there and when did you get there? So I got there on 
Wednesday night. Uh, well, oh, no, okay. sorry. I went to, I got to St. Augustine Thursday, Thursday morning. So I, I flew into um, Orlando and the weather was total dog shit. And I'm like, you know, I'll just stay in Orlando. I'm, I'm, I landed at midnight local. I'll just oh, okay. sleep yeah, here. Yeah. And in the morning, I'll just wake up and go. And then hopefully I'll, the weather will be good enough to go. And it wasn't, it was terrible. Um, okay. So you boogied over there Thursday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got there and. Um, that must have been exciting. You know, first time going there. It was I always super excited going there. It's. So I'll backtrack a little bit. It, it's so I was exciting so, though, because you don't know what you're going to walk into. Like who's going to be there, what airplane. It's, it's just like. And that's exactly what it was, dude. It was like, I'm anticipating like all the unknown. Like I'm finally getting to see Southeast Arrow. I'm excited to, to, to like go there in and of itself. And then I'm excited to meet Kramer and Doug. Got to meet Dana, um, Urban, the, um, gosh, I think he's like the, um, like the line manager. Um, he was really nice. And Chris and parts, like all these people that like I've talked to or given my, <laughs> my hard earned money to for years, <laughs> every extra owner, uh, or, pra- or caretaker knows that, that feeling of like, I got to call Southeast Arrow and see how much pain this is going to cost. You know? <laughs> I usually have like a couple of shots of vodka before I call up. Oh listen. yeah. Yeah. You got to prepare yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, getting, and, and then like um, the, the anticipation of getting to see my airplane in person again, which has been since April or, I mean, I saw it, you know, being torn apart by yeah. um, Ray at Ray's aviation in June. A long time away now. It's just a, a total, like, there was a mul- like multiple levels of excitement and not nervousness, maybe a maybe a little bit. I, I don't know how to describe it, dude. Because like I, I wanted the airplane to be what I remember it. It's re- I have a weird emotional attachment to this airplane, which yeah. is not healthy. Okay, because <laughs> um, you know I wish I had the money and the means to like own this and not care about it. Meaning, not not treat it like shit obviously, but like, right. like I really think about it. I really did think a lot about of work to it. They did, so you didn't oh. know pictures, you know, pictures don't do anything justice until you get there in person. No. Like, when anybody says. No. And, and especially and with so, your paint job too. I mean, you had a really like, uh, I don't know how to, it was a, an expensive paint job to, to match that thing up with. Totally. It was a, it was a total process. So like, you know, the wing got damaged, the aileron got damaged, the gear collapsed, the wheel pants, both wheel pants were damaged um the cowling underneath was damaged from the wheel bouncing up and hitting it the the acro tank was damaged from Jeez. from that as well the frame had a lingeron that was um cracked from that the tail um had a uh i had like a rudder stop the like a control horn um bent yeah the rudder cables were one rudder cable was frayed from it um, and I it's say that because we your, ju- the airplane just went through ground, ground, ground looping it, right? What's that? It's from the, the, your partner, uh, ground looping it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and obviously it struck the prop. It, it, I mean, it did, there were so many things. Um, and then, you know, it became a process of like what, you know, now I think when Kramer calls my eye won't twitch, but for, you know, three months, every time, every time that fucking phone would ring from Southeast era, I'm like, Oh God damn it. Like, what am I going to have to pay out of pocket now? Or what did they find now? Cause it, um, the, the damage estimate was really close to totaling the airplane. And we yeah. were kind of, I hate to say this, but this is what you get in a partnership. 
um, it's it's a democratic process, right? I'm I'm one of of four, so I my vote is not the majority rule. Um, I wanted to see the airplane repaired. Everybody else wanted to. They didn't have the attachment that I did, and didn't want. It wasn't like they were like, no, total it. But we're gonna let's do everything we can to total it. Yeah, but it was you more like that you were never gonna be able to find a midwing like that. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. there's the, not the, a lot of midwings like yours out there. There, it's. I'm not saying it's the, it's the best midwing. It's not the best, but it's it's the only one like it. Yeah, I mean the only one that you know. There's very few Northern Light midwings. Those are so. There's like I think there's seven or eight. I think seven. I mean there was only six in the show, but like there was a couple. There were like one would leave because of an accident or something like that, and then a new one would come. Yeah, there was there was a bunch. We'll get we'll get one of those guys on the show one day. Yeah, I'd I'd love to talk to one of those guys, but yeah, like the you know, there's not um, endless amounts of midwing Northern Lights extras, and those have been modified. I mean, all all the Northern Lights extras were modified for the team, um, and even though they're, they're some of them have some time on the airframes, it's a lot of cross country, and a lot yeah. of it's you know formation loop and roll. Only what was it five and six or. Yeah, I forget. I guess they had six in the act or whatever, but only five and six were the solos. So, you know, some of them barely had any kind of like advanced aerobatic on it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, despite my airplane having the tail chopped off of it, um, (laughs) I don't know what other, (laughs) what other damage the Northern Lights (laughs) caused to it, but it, you know, it's got 11, 1156 hours on it. It's a 1997. It's, it looks really 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 good it's clean um i flew yeah. i've flown some 1998 um and 1999 extra 300ls that look horrific compared to this airplane and i'm not just saying that because it's mine it's a, it, you know these these airplanes were really well taken care of and some of them do i mean shit you know a thousand twelve fifteen hundred hours or less for these airplanes is really low time yeah. for for a 95 and up you know, 96 and up, um, model mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty low time. Um, and they, they were really, you know, for as hard as the air show world can be, you know, I, I really feel like, um, these airplanes were pretty well taken care of. Like I flew the spare, uh, Toyota Motorsports 300 L for a while. That airplane was really tired, yeah, really tired. And it's, it was a 97, you yeah, know, well, it was a 96, but it was a really solo tired. act. If it's in a solo act, I mean, the thing's going to get beat up, but you know, any yeah. formation plane that you get, you're able to get or whatever, you know, you can. It's a, essentially in a lazy aerobatic airplane. Yeah. I mean, it really, you know, you're doing hammerheads, you're doing Cubans, you're doing wing overs and barrel rolls and occasional. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the, this airplane's really nice. And um, I, I have an attachment to it because when it, when it came, you know, when the owner, um, the previous owner, he came to me for a checkout before he went and got it. And then he's like, yeah, I kind of want to get out of it. And so I kind of curated um, moving him out and buying it and partnerships and, and stuff like that. And that's awesome. Um, so I, I really did. Come, and one of the first time I flew it, I, I fell in love with it. I really did. It's a beautiful flying airplane. And so I did have an attachment, whereas others didn't. But the way the estimate worked out uh, and the way of Vemco, who are who we have the policy through, um, it came real close. They were like, you know, if it's, if anything more adds to this estimate, we're just going to total it. And I'm like, you know, it is what it is, right? It's just an airplane. Yeah, what are you going to do? I, so I, I, 
I had to go through this process of like grief of it being hurt and then hope that it'll be fixed and then resigning to the fact that it might be totaled and then coming to the fact that it's going to be repaired. It, it was a, it was a real emotional roller coaster. And so coming to see the airplane and then having it go from a, you know, not a, it wasn't, it, w- it wasn't balled up or anything like that, but nah. you know, it was essentially junk, right. That was thrown on a trailer hauled across the country and then put back together. I'm like, I don't know what this is going to look like. You were probably just excited for the process to be over. Like, just please let it be totally. good so I can just be done with this and get back to normal flying and blah, totally, blah, you know? totally. And, and I try to offset the cost by instructing. That's I mean, I love instructing. That's why I wanted the airplane. Um, but you know, I, I, I try to make those expenses, you know, the money that I make from teaching in it, pay for the airplane and, and just have this airplane kind of for fun. And so, yeah. you know, having expenses that sucked and then having this thing looming over, we're like, I, I want to get back to doing what I like doing, which is flying. I, I fly it solo, of course, and, and fly aerobatic solo, but I love teaching in it. I really do love it. So I really wanted to get it back and, and in its tip top yeah. form and, um, you know, Southeast Aero did a phenomenal job. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Southeast Aero. I mean, they really did an amazing job uh, with the airplane. And if I hadn't known what had happened to it, I would never, there's no way to tell that airplane has been through what it went through. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, other than the logbook, you, if, if that entry had not been put in the logbook, you would not know that there was damage history on that airplane. It's that perfect. I mean, the composite work is phenomenal. Um, the engine work is phenomenal, new prop, um, the paint. I don't know how they did it. Okay. (laughs) I'm a big detail guy, a car detail guy. Like I, I, I'm, I'm really anal retentive about, I know every dent, every scratch. Um, I regularly buff and wax and, and correct paint on, on my cars. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. Yeah. Stuff. No, the guy I they have believe. down there, I don't know his name, um, but the guy apparently is a magician. And like, yeah, I don't know his name, but I think he's been there for a while. And he is, he just does amazing things with, you know, fading and paint and making it match. And yeah. I, I'm not I kidding. I don't know if they painted the entire half of the wing or if they just painted and, and blended in the repair side or if they repainted, they didn't repaint the entire wing. I know that. Um, but I, I, I can't tell you to which extent they, they blended in and, um, paint match. It's that good. I never in a million years would have expected that. Yeah. There's no other place I would bring my plane than, uh, than no, there. it was yeah. a weird thing, man. Cause, um, you know, Vemco hadn't really dealt with an extra before and a, and a claim. And so initially when we were like, oh no, it needs to go to Southeast Arrow and San Augustine, Florida, they're like, all right, asshole, you're in California. We see what you're doing here. You're not going to, you know, fraud of that. Yeah. Yeah. You're just trying to jack up the claim to, 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 um, you know, get the airplane totaled. And it's like, no, no, no. Look in the manuals. Uh, look at how extra has control, control over this airplane and the repair process and who's an authorized repair facility. And, you know, you don't want to yeah, do, you don't want to send this airplane anywhere. And your airplane certified, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it really, it limits you. I mean, it really does. Yeah. And I didn't, I told, I, I was very blunt with them. I, I was like, you know what? I, I'm confident that composite people can repair this airplane. I, I, that's not 
that's not my real concern, although it is a concern. But my real concern is that Southeast Arrow is the only one with the experience, aside from a few other, like like Warren is really good, right? And Ray at Ray's Aviation, Warren Sillers, right? He's, you know, an experienced um, extra guy. Uh, Ray is an experienced extra yeah, guy, but like Southeast Era. But they have so yeah, much experience yeah. with it. And, you know, that's all they do for the most part. I mean, I know it's not all they do, but for the most part, they deal with extras. So why would you want to bring it anywhere else? And chances are, if there was an extra that came into into the States, Southeast Arrow took delivery and assembly. You know, the, I mean, 90% or more yeah. of the airplanes that have come to this last, country have been. Yeah, the last five years or seven years, I think it's, it's uh, they've kind of lost a little bit of market share in that. But yeah, I think a yeah. lot, uh, a large majority of the extras, they've, uh, they they definitely know all, all of the extras that are here. There's no doubt, you know, because yeah. whatever you need, you have to call them, so sure they know yep oh yeah yeah and so like i I was really concerned about i I wanted them to just see the airplane and obviously i wanted them to do the repair but um you know they did a great job uh i got to meet everybody there got to do the tour it was fun to see all the just it was just fun to be there it's like if you love aerobatic airplanes or if you're an airplane geek in general it's exciting or if it's it's super dude it's like candy land yeah i mean it's and you saw the NG it's there just, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I, I tried to take it up. I, I did try. Um, they sold it. <laughs> oh, no and way. So they actually sold their demo bird. It was getting washed and and the deal was closing. So um, there was no more flying it, unfortunately. Oh. So Southeast Air actually ordered another NG um, that's going to be coming. So yeah, they sold their demonstrator. I guess somebody really, really wanted it. And they were like, you know what? I guess we'll let it go. Yeah, I gotta fly. I would love to fly it. I uh, it looks cool. I mean, I I wonder. Uh, there's no videos out there, so it's really tough to judge right now. Um, yeah, and I and I've heard I've heard some different things. I've heard mostly good. Um, I haven't really heard. I mean, I've heard bad. Yeah, but I I really think you know it's like when when somebody compares, you know, when somebody test drives a Ferrari, or they uh, I'll take this back. Somebody owns a Ferrari and then they test drive a uh, you know a Corvette. Right. And they're like, well, it doesn't do this. And you're like, well, yeah, but you're comparing it to a Ferrari. Yeah. Um, so there, there are some of those comparisons where like, well, this is a certified airplane. You're comparing it to an experimental, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, it's a valid in terms of what you would use it for. It's a, absolutely a valid comparison. But I think what, what, when people look at it for what they're going to use it for, it's a certified airplane. It's for, yeah. it's for instruction. I mean, it and, really, that's really what it is. Yeah. And it's going to be exciting to see. It's going to be cool to see who gets it, like who's going to be buying this. Obviously some people are going to, but, but what kind of person that's got some type of presence in the community is going to buy it? How's it yeah. going to do a competition or how's it going to fly in air shows? What kind of, maybe it can kind of do certain things a different way, which would be kind of exciting to see. And, yeah. you know, I, along those lines, I was looking at game, game composites the other day and they're up to serial number 25. So there's no doubt that a couple of these things have to enter some competition soon. That's uh, impressive. You know, that's really impressive. Cause I think the NG is up to 16. Yeah. Um, that's impressive, man. That shout out to Philip, dude. Like, you know, I hope he keeps it's, going. It's, I, really, I hope it works. I think he's got a good, I shot actually do it. too. I do too. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm super, you know, you know me, dude, I'm super fucking cynical on a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> 
And we can be really cynical on some aircraft manufacturers for sure. And they deserve it, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying uh, Gamebird or the Game Composites deserves all the praise or anything like that. But 25 airframes out there, somebody's these are going to be cropping up. And it's not all just private owners that are going to be doing the occasional, you know, um, you know, ballistic roll on the weekend. Right. Some of these planes are going to be doing some real instruction or real competition or, you know, who knows, maybe some air show flying. So and it, it just goes to show to see. you what kind of investment, like this, you know, extra got started a while ago. So um, I might be speaking out of turn here, but I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know, being grandfathered in almost where they're kind of learning as they go and maybe oversight wasn't as much. So it was a little bit easier on them. So, but now yeah. with Philip and Gamebird, you know, they get started um, recently and what they had to do and the amount of money. I mean, just look at the backer of who they had to, had to come in to, to fund the thing, which is a totally. great, which is amazing and, and really, really cool. Um, but it takes a lot. And they did it right. They, I mean, we'll talk about it on another episode when I was at that factory. And there is, as far as safety in that airplane, I would have, I wouldn't blink an eye of um, anything falling off or anything like that in that airplane. I mean, the structural test that they did on it and and how they're making it, it's it's really really impressive. I really like, I really like the airplane a lot. I really did. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. And I like, I like this space right now of there's something, I mean, obviously like I own a two seat certified extra. So I kind of like the two seat certified space a little bit yeah. in terms of, you know, how, how extreme or how, um, what, how do I say this? How good can you make a certified aerobatic airplane. And I even talked to Kramer about this a little bit because, you know, the NG is still um, experimental exhibition right now. It has not gotten its aerobatic certification yet in the States. And so they're still working on it. And one of the tests is, you know, when you wing over or when you, you when you knife edge hitting the rudder should right the airplane, it should literally level the airplane. Um, There should be that level of stability, which inherently is not good. Um, when, for an, when yeah, for my, my wife just flipped me off. She walked by the window and just flipped me off. That's the kind of relationship I have here. <laughs> I love you too, honey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously that, that, that stability or like that, um, I, maybe it's like convergent stability, right? Like where it, um, you want it to write, you want the airplane to write where a, a, a you know, a 330 SC may not do that or, or an MXS may not do that because you don't want that stability. You don't want that level of, um. Yeah, you just don't want that level of stability. Yeah. The extra actually doesn't do that. It, uh, the the NG. I don't know how they're going to get around this. Um, they're working on it now. Is that it, it? You know, Kramer was saying that it doesn't write itself when you when you um, hit the top rudder. They'll do something. So, I mean, I think that's why yeah. they, they did the certain speeds they did on the mid wings in the beginning, um, and then they switched. Um, yeah, because I think the first nine were experimental. Yeah, something like that. But they'll figure. I mean, they're there's no way that they can't not get it. You know, they have to. Get oh no. It. It'll, yeah. It, they'll get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's but just interesting to see that space where like you're pushing the boundaries of, of, you know, the, the aerobatic airplane, the, the unlimited aerobatic airplane now, which the topic you've touched on this, but the topic of what an unlimited aerobatic airplane is now is 
that bar is continually moving to where I don't know where this, I don't know where that's going to go. And that's a, a, an entire topic for a podcast on and of itself, but like, and we need somebody with like a lot of unlimited experience to, to guide us on that topic. Cause it's, Oh, totally. There's so much to it. And yeah, I'm going to get Aaron on. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I'd love to talk to him about that. But the other, like, the other thing too with, with the, uh, not to cut you off, but the other thing with the no. gamer, which is really interesting is so, you know, the 300 L I, I, it's a great air. I've flown them and they're really great, but I never really fell in love with the L's because of the way the seat was set up in the back, yeah. you know, the lumps, it always, I, that spar is such a pain in the ass. I mean, for cross country, I guess it's cool, but for aerobatics, I never liked it and the stick and yada, yada, yada. I just don't, I'm not a fan of it, but yeah. What's interesting though, with the 300 L now is now you brought in an, an NG and there's a ton of L's out there. There's, and I don't think the LC, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of difference and everything, but there's a ton of L's out there and mm-hmm. now you throw in the, uh, so you're saturated with L's. Now you throw the NG in, now the game bird in and the market on L's is it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough to hold value on L's with, with all the yeah. birds and everything. And I think it's great for your midwing because there aren't a lot of midwings out there. And out of the midwings that are out there, there's only a handful of ones that are in good shape. So, you know, I think it's I'd actually like to see the numbers. I wonder how many are in the States. I bet it's less than 20. Uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know. You, you never see them. Oh, honestly, at this point, the only ones I see are Northern Light ones, uh, former Northern Light midwings. I don't see a non <laughs> non Northern Lights midwing uh, where somebody like posted online, like in the States. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I know the one that my, uh, there's one on Long Island that, that uh, a buddy of mine's got. The other one went to Croatia. You know, it was okay. really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I would bet you that there's probably 20 to 30. That's what I would. Yeah, I, something like that. Right yeah. Probably less because, you know, unfortunately, probably one, a couple of them are uh, unrepairable. And, yeah. And the others are, you know, Europe and, and Eastern Europe, all that crap. Yeah. Oh my God. We got to get back to my cross country. Yes. So you're in, I totally forgot about that. So here, like in August, when I'm hearing about unre- unrepairable <laughs> midwings, I'm like, wait, hey, hey, we were talking about something. Um, <laughs> so uh, you, you just God. got done wedding yourself and you're in St. August. Yes. So I saw the airplane and I legitimately, I, I was, I, I told Karen, I was like, I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. And I saw pictures before and I, I couldn't believe it. But in person I was like, Whoa, like yeah. this is, I didn't think you could make, not that the airplane was again. It, w- it wasn't like it wasn't repairable, but just it just looked. There's a it lot was of former there. glory and better. I yeah. mean, it really was. It, it was they did such an amazing job. So, did you fly it that um, day or no? It, the weather was too bad. It was just like low. Uh, it was windy. Um, IFR and marginal VFR, and then it was like it would like rain and then stop, rain and then stop. And I'm like, you know, I don't want I don't want to jack up that new MT. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna wait and. As soon as I book the hotel and like start heading to get barbecue, I look out. I'm like, of course I could have left. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, maybe I'll go test flight. And I'm like, you know, dude, just chill. Like you can, you'll, you're going to get plenty of flying in like just chill. And so yeah. I, I stayed the night and it was great. Great night. 
and it was definitely the um, um, the good judgment of the flight. I did a lot. I had a lot of good judgments this cross country, <laughs> and I had a couple of bad judgments this cross country. So, um, I'll talk about that. Oh, do tell. So good. Yeah, <laughs> the the hotel was a good judgment. The next morning was a bad judgment. So the next morning, the forecast was, was beautiful. The the TAF was like, your goal from seven a on seven a.m. on. You're All the stuff's going to clear out. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> You're, yeah. Don't worry about a thing. Guys, You're golden. You're good. Yep. yep. I, I wake up. Sure enough, it's like 600 foot overcast, three miles of visibility. I'm like, ah, man. Just, and he's so like, like, any minute now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, so uh, what was it? Ida? Ida? I, I can't remember like what hurricane it was. Yeah, yeah. It became a tropical storm, moved through. So there was severe weather that moved through. When that moved through, it cleared the way for the marine layer. And so the next day I was contending with the marine layer. Yeah. And then it went up to like 10 miles of visibility and a thousand um, overcast. No, no, 1500. I'm sorry, 1500 overcast. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Because like Tallahassee was good. And I'm like, you know, I, I'll, I'll, dude, I'll just skirt, skirt down. I'll climb up. I'll be golden. It'll be a little patchy, but I'll get through it. And it'll be yeah. guys right over there. It's Florida. Yeah. And, then, and I'm I mean, like, how you know, it's just part of me, right? <laughs> how big? Yeah. I mean, I'm just fine. Come on. No big deal. I'm from California. So, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, this isn't Texas. This isn't, I'm dealing you know, with fires and smoke and earthquakes. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. This is like marine layers, nothing. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> I, I launch and I'm like, you know, if I find a hole, I know it's the marine. I, didn't, I know it's a low, like it's just, it's a thin layer. There's no weather to speak of. So there's no lifting, nothing. I know it's a marine layer. If I find a hole, I'll climb through it. I'll zip past and I'm golden. So I launch and it was great to fly the airplane again and, you know, getting used to it. There were some subtle differences. Yeah. Um, like they replaced the rudder cable. So like the tail was tighter. The tail was tighter and the tail itself Moving the tail was tighter, which I loved. It actually yeah, felt really good. A more reactive. Um, it, totally. And, but less, less tendency to over control it, which was interesting. It just, it, I, I, it was like before it almost felt sloppy. Like it was too controllable. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Um, but like in the air, it, I had a real tendency to use too much rudder because it, the, the pedals were really light. It almost like the rudder had spades and now they don't like it, That's, how I would describe it. And I don't know what they did. Maybe there was like something loose back there that they tightened, but it feels really nice in the air now. Um, yeah, I don't know. But so I launch and the weather's way shittier going <laughs> West than, than forecast. And so the weather starts dropping and dropping and dropping. And, and soon enough I'm turning around. And I'm like, I'm 200 feet AGL. Like what, what did I, why did I do that? Nah. You know, what, what am I doing, man? So I turn around, I, I go back and I, I waited out a couple hours and it cleared and, and then it cleared enough to where like the, it was clearing on the East coast moving West. And so like the inland still had some inland fog, but it was clear over St. Augustine. So I launched and then just went over the layer. I was over the layer for maybe 20 minutes. Um, but the thing ran, man, the airplane just, it ran like a top. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, especially coming um, from a 200, you were flying nothing for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely had muscle memory from the three from my airplane because I've flown it a lot. But, like, it definitely took getting used to again for sure. Um, but the engine, you know, it's really strong. I don't know what it made horsepower-wise, um, and it doesn't really matter. But definitely the, the engine before wasn't tired. It was a Barrett engine with 300 hours on it. But um, I can tell the difference. That's um, awesome. So it's it like a brand new. Great. I mean, 
awesome. It, yeah, it really is a brand new bird. Um, so that was, you know, the, the marine layer thing was a bad judgment. And um, for the rest of the trip, for the most part, pretty good judgments, uh, which is a, <laughs> for a ferry across the country was, was um, I know a success. And um, what you did, did you do equal legs or whatever? Like how, how many, what was it, an hour and a half leg or two hour leg? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And it's something that's going <laughs> to stick with me for a little while is that I got to find out the hard way that my airplane was placarded wrong um, for the fuel capacity. And oh people who listen to this that don't fly an extra, they're like, how the hell do you not know how much gas your airplane really holds? So many different. Very rarely do you fill an extra to capacity. You don't top off an extra. I mean, I, I'm sure there's people out there that have never topped off an extra. Um, you know, if it's delivered or you buy the airplane local, you would never, unless you fly it a long distance, you would never top it off because yeah, you can't, no point. there's no point. There's no point. There's no point. And so, um, I've flown enough extras to know that, you know, there's either 15 or 20 gallon wing tanks. I've flown extra 200s that had 20 gallon wing tanks and 15 gallon wing tanks. I've thro- flown 300 L's that have had both wing tanks. This is the only mid wing I've flown. And the airplane was placarded for 20 gallon wing tanks. So you I was assuming 15 gallon wing tanks. I have 15 gallon wing tanks. That's yeah, I guess. I mean, I would, I believe you, but that just seems odd. I thought they were all, all the six cylinder I know. for 20 gallon each. No. So, um, I've flown L's there were, it was the option from the factory. The, the 20 gallon is, is quote unquote, the extended wing tanks. Oh, I and thought there was it was two different aerobatic tanks too. There's a seven and a nine. Uh, for the L this is a 10 um, in the mid wing, but I don't know that the option on the mid wing was 15 and 20 uh, for the wing tanks. Um, but for the other ones, it absolutely was. And then the um, there's an AD that came out for the 200 to reduce the ga- the gallons from 15. I'm sorry, from 20 to 15 uh, because oh, really? people were blown out baffles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this extra 200 that, Rob Oxner owns is a 15 gallon wing tank, um, which is really interesting. So I, I shove off and I was, so to answer your question, I was planning two hour legs. So yeah. with 20 gallons in each wing, 40 gallons total, plus the 10, you know, 50 gallons total. I'm like, you know, two hours. Yeah. Make it easy. Plus the little fudge backer factor, you know, like that's, that's pretty decent. Right. Um, and I'm getting a beam Tallahassee and I'm, I forgot where I was. Oh, I was going to mobile, which is about two hours. And I'm a beam Tallahassee and I'm looking at my wing tank and I'm like, why am I at a quarter of, of wing tank? Uh, I'm, I'm only an hour into this. This is, this, this is not right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for, for 40 gallons. I'm like, this is, did you, do I'm, did you do old tap on a gauge? See if that all makes sense. I did the tap. I did the tap. And like, why do we here's do what's that? even funny. Why do we even do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Even if it's, it works, would, just, you, would you trust it? You'd be like, oh shit. Well, <laughs> Yeah, it came back. I'm good. Or maybe you just made it worse. Like, you yeah, don't know. You don't know. Um, here's the other <laughs> kicker is that we replaced the fuel sending unit in the wing tank because it it broke. And so I'm like, you know, is the fuel sending unit bad? Should I trust my placard? Because I assume this airplane is 20 gallons. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do here. And so I ended up diverting into uh, Panama City Beaches Airport, oh, cool. um, which was fine. And then... Um, because I, I just started to see the acro tank start to come down. So I'm like, okay, my, you know, sure as shit. The wings are indicating empty and I'm just starting to eat into my aerobatic tank. And so when we filled the airplane, 
uh, we filled, it was like 33 gallons. No, 30, like 32 point something. And I'm like, okay. All right. Those are 15 gallon 15 wing tanks. Gallon tanks. <laughs> 15 gallon wing tanks. And so when they placarded the airplane and the, the placarding is so nice. It's like, you know, whatever, like the white, like, um, transfer paint, you know, it's not like just stickers. It's like, they did the panel beautifully painted yeah. with all the placarding and it's sure as shit placarded for a 20 gallon wing tank extra. And it is not a 20 gallon wing tank extra. So that changed my, I had to change my entire trip. I mean, I, I had planned the routes for two hours, two hour legs. And that's just, it's kind of a stretch. Um, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to not eat the acro tank because of contingency. So, I, you know, that has, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, depending on your power setting out down low, I was getting like 16 gallons an hour, 15, maybe, uh, up high, but you know, you I planned know. for 18 gallons an hour. You yeah. Never you never know. know. And so I, I wanted, I wanted the acro tank to have, you know, if an airport closed or an airport became, you know, too windy to land at, which that did happen. Um, I wanted, you know, an out, um, and you know, these, these areas that are heavily populated, like, you know, Florida, like North, North Florida just has airports everywhere. And, um, Alabama and Louisiana has airports everywhere, but then starting to get towards West Texas, um, there's not airports everywhere. Like I, I went into, choose from. no, no, I I went into San Angelo and that was like, you know, go on my Southerly route going West. Um, that's there going before you get to New Mexico, there's not a whole lot of options. So I landed, I, I planned to go to, uh, gosh, I can't remember what the airport was, uh, but I ended up going into Pecos. I think that it looks like Pecos, but I think it, they, they were pronouncing it Pecos, Texas, but it was windy as shit. Um, and I, I, I skipped the other airport. Cause I'm like, you know, let me find an airport with like weather reporting at least. So I can yeah. like, look at, you know, something. And I'm really glad I did. But it was gussing like 33 knots down. The, uh, it was like 40 degrees off the runway, gussing 33 knots. And I'm like, man, this sucks. You know, and yeah. there's not a lot of options out there, especially when all of them are windy. And there's just, there's an airport maybe 20 minutes away, 15 minutes away, 30 minutes away. Uh, not even 15 minutes away. Like, yeah, 20, 30, you know. Um, and they're not great options. Yeah. It's, there's a nothing, they, it's a handful. Of yeah. Them. I mean, it's not, it's doable, but it's more than doable, but you kind of got to pay a little bit more attention <laughs> when it's like that. I'll tell you what, in an SC or an I'll L. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. Oh man. What, I, I was going to, I was going to say some like Southern, you know, t- and Texas sayings. I'm no, so I, I, can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember any of them, but like in an L, like anything low, um, even so, I landed on two seven. That's oh, right. You got the mid wings, so you got a crappy visibility. It's crappy visibility, but at least the wings higher, so I can I can dip a wing lower for landing, which is really nice. Like, not that I ever worry about clearance in an L. Yeah. But like with with twenty knots of crosswind, that's that's you're pushing it. Yeah, I don't remember pain. what the demonstrated is. It's a pain in What's the ass when it's gusty. Like a constant wind yeah. is no big deal. You can. You know, whatever it is, you you just deal it's with the it. gust. But when it's gusty, or you get like low level wind shear, and you know, all of a sudden the plane drops out, and you got to come, it's just like uh, it's such. You know, you, it's like work. You know, he's yeah, yes. And the mid wing, um, it doesn't like gusts more than other like the L, and it's just I think it's just a matter of like ground effect being larger because the wing is higher, and wind can just get under that wing, um, 
a lot better than the lower wing extras. And Gus really suck. Gus, like any kind of Gus, you really feel it in the mid wing over over like the L. But yeah, um, yeah, I got the shit kicked out of me going over El Paso, <laughs> like going over where'd you uh, make that area? Today? So you you launched what was oh, it, like eleven yeah. o'clock. Like 10.30. I launched out of St. Augustine for the second time with much better weather. And then- um, And you made it where? Landed in beaches, landed in Baton Rouge, and then uh, finally landed in College Station. I was going to try to make San Angelo that night, and I'm I'm glad I didn't. Um, I was really pushing Sunset, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to do that. Why am I pushing it? And you were just like landing, hopping out, fueling, going. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Gas and goes. No issues. Hot starting. Nothing, huh? No, I, 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 so it took me a long time. I've ran the battery dead in extras before trying to hot start because they're fucking terrible at yeah. hot starting. Um, I found the the perfect technique to hot start this airplane, and it's mixture idle cutoff, throttle a half inch cracked to three quarters cracked, boost pump on, and man, the thing fires up like a dream. Oh, I gotta fires try it. up like a dream. Oh, dude, you gotta really make sure the the mixture's idle cutoff, but that boost pump on um, stops the vapor locking in the, in the, the fuel manifold. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, dude, it starts. Oh yeah. Try it. Like if you, if you need a hot start your airplane, try it with the boost pump on and make sure idle cut off. Oh. I usually start the airplane like cold with the mixture full rich. Um, I know a lot of people don't, I know they go idle cut off, but I started mixture full rich and it starts up like a dream cold with that, like that technique. That's another thing. Everybody's um, got like different theories of hot starting. I always find it fascinating. Totally. Oh yeah. Everybody's got their thing that like, like, no, this, this is the only thing that works. Don't do anything else. You're like, okay, that's okay. weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I found that hot starting with the boost pump on and make sure idle cutoff is like the jam. I used to do it without that, without the, the boost pump on. Um, and maybe it's my maybe airplane. Boost pump, otherwise it's just going to vaporize. Yeah. It just vaporizes. And, and I've, I've, I've ran extras dead, uh, trying to hot start. It really sucks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just gassing and going, man. Um, awesome. Overnight in College Station. Had great food there. Also, had great food at Mojo's. Um, <laughs> and I had Mojo's for lunch. And then I just ate Mojo's for dinner. So, what did you have during the flight? You just brought like a bottle of water or something on and some like candy bars? Starbucks. I had, <laughs> I bought um, um, like like a couple of their bento boxes and then like a sandwich. And so I, I just brought that in the airplane. And then I would um, love to see like you go to like, Texas and you get out of your airplane with Starbucks. <laughs> the latte. I could just basically <laughs> take out their gun and shoot you right in the chest. Yeah. What the hell? Boy, what the hell are you doing? Pow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lasso me or something. Yeah. Uh, sorry to all my techs out there. I love you guys. But um, yeah, so I, I, I basically just did that and, um, you know, kind of ate as I went and you know, snack here and there and then overnight in college station and then things were kind of weird out there. So I'm like, uh, and when I say weird, like it, uh, the weather was kind of funny and I wasn't familiar with the area. I, I ended up staying at the Hyatt place. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll look up some cool spots to, to order DoorDash. And there was a burger place and I ordered like a, oh, so fucking good. Like a Wagyu bo- uh, burger. Jeez. Um, you really are like a high class dude, you know? Oh yeah, dude. I'm, I, I can do it. But th- this, You're yeah. she's a lucky gal. She's really lucky. She- she, I'm not, I should play her this podcast so she can hear you say that. 
Um, That's the worst. She's, I'm lucky. I'm a lucky. You know what would happen is she would call my wife, and then they would get together, and they would make our lives. A <laughs> It'd be bad. It'd be bad. No, we'll, we'll get them together someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, no, uh, no, it's like delicious Wagyu burger, fries, and then like a milkshake. Like I just, I totally like. You know, I just, I did it hard, man. Fat, it was good. You're just a fat shit, man. Just oh, just this. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> just oh, rem- yeah. remnants of a Reuben on your on your lips, eating wagyu. I can still taste it, dude. <laughs> I, that's the thing with barbecues; you taste it for 36 hours afterwards. It's so good. Yeah, and it's so good. I was surprised that you made it the next day home. I was like, "There's no way he's gonna make it home." There's I no still, way. I'm I'm in a daze, dude. I'm not kidding. Um, I woke up at six the next morning. Uh, left college station at 6.45, uh, flew to San Angelo, gas and gas and went, and then went over to uh, Pecos, gas and went. And that was so windy there, I was actually nervous to get out of the airplane because of the canopy. Yeah, I, I, I literally was like, fuck, what am I, I, felt I, like I going to get gas? And uh, we were doing a camp in Kansas, and it's awesome conditions down there because, or over there. Is you're getting like 40 plus wind and you know, you got to work the box and blah, blah, blah. But when you yeah. land, you know, usually, you know, people will just help you and hold. And I have a little single place canopy. I can't even imagine with the uh, two places, it's just a big sale. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a big sale. And, um, the nice thing is, uh, I have a canopy lock. Like this is a, a diverging a little bit, but, or, or like an inside baseball, I guess, kind of thing. Um, all the Northern lights extra. So, um, the nice thing about these airplanes is they've been, they've been modified in some cool ways and they're still certified. However that happened. <laughs> One of the things they did is they, all the canopy glass was redone and tinted. So it looks really good, but they didn't put the window on the canopies. So there's no way to close and lock the canopy from the outside of the airplane. And so, that's even scarier because you're like, well, is wind going to get inside it and like lift this canopy up? Is it or like you know the airplane rocks right, and so maybe the canopy, you know, pops up and then wind catches it. Like it's really nerve wracking. But yeah, um, there's like a metal twenty five thousand dollars for a canopy. Yeah, yeah, and then Stupid who knows? Like I got to find the guy that did this canopy, you know, twenty five years ago, and see I think if he, he died. Another one. Did he? Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, it's like Tom. It was like Tom's canopies or something. Todd's know. canopies or something. But Todd, I hope he Todd's didn't, canopies. Yeah, I hope he didn't die. I shouldn't have said that. Shout out to Todd. Hopefully, he didn't hey. die. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> hope he didn't die, bro. Um, oh god. So yeah, I, this thing creates creates a lock where you can actually close it and the Holy crap! I'm looking at your airplane right now and I don't see a window. You're right. Yeah, no, there's no window. It's a pain in the ass, dude. You like you leave it somewhere. You're like, can somebody just open this thing up? Or How do you open it? You just gotta put your fingers inside the rail, kind of, and just lift. It doesn't lock. Yeah, it. it you just there's always going to be a gap because the 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 pins sit on top of the, you know, the oh, so you can't latches. you can't fully close it. No, uh, you got. There's no it. way to lock it. Wow, it's a pain. Yeah. yeah. But we have this like little bracket that go. It locks into the canopy itself. So like you you clinch the you know the handle right, and then this pops in and locks, and then you slide it into the bottom, um, like part of the fuselage. This where the is already right. right. too much work for me. It's too much work. I know. What do you? Uh, get but to, at least like, it allowed me to lock. Somebody it. like throws up in your plane. 
can't even like get a breath. Oh shit! No, you can't oh. throw. It. Yeah, no, dude, it's awful. If you're gonna spew, spew into this. <laughs> I keep a bag, um, inside, and then like they just gotta hold it, man. Oh, I wonder why they did they that. We'll find out. I think they did it. So I've, I've broken. The, so you know how there's like there's the window the slider right but then there's that that little pop out window mm-hmm. um, I've broken those uh, because they pop out inadvertently when you're like hauling ass you know doing ac- like you know you're you yeah know, you're no. in a loop at 180 knots and then that thing pops open and just rips apart and I think they were ripping canopies and having to re blow yeah. canopies I have mine I'm sure a lot of other people do too I just put tape over it so anytime you do tape. a snap and it it will pop yeah. Um, it's, but, it, and it sucks. It's, it's not it, the greatest. It's like a nice, convenient thing because it can blow air right on you. But yeah. every time you snap, it'll, it'll pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pops right out, and then um, it, it either breaks or I mean, I, I'm sure there's been instances where it like it rips the you know the mount of the that little slider window off the the canopy or like cracks it to where yeah. you gotta you got a major repair going. So, um, so none of the northern lights that I know of have a. That's crazy. So you barely, yeah. so how'd you get in by the way? So you left at 6am. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, wheels up at six thirty, six forty five out of college station. Then I just gas and went dude. And, um, I luckily wind was on my side until I got to, um, Pecos and then the headwinds just ate fucking me up Pecos. until Denning. Yeah, dude. Fucking Pecos. <laughs> then I went to some, you know, nowheresville in New Mexico that also had crappy winds. Um, there are like no airports in New Mexico too. No, I, I passed El Paso. My original plan was to stop in El Paso. I, I'm a wussy airline pilot. So I like, well, you know, in this airplane, you know, people are like, why don't you just like go to all these really cool little, little airports that no, have nothing you there. No, because you got to you can't get help. You're screwed. Yeah, you're totally screwed. Totally screwed. And so I, I wanted some services. Um, so I, I kind of planned airports that, not major airports. El Paso was the only major airport I planned uh, really like international airport, be- just because like, there's nothing really around there. Yeah. Uh, but I ended up going past El Paso and going into Denning, which had nothing there. But, um, it wasn't until I got to Chandler, uh, Arizona that the winds went back into my favor, but I, man, I just, I, I, I just like uh, with my shoot on f- gas and went like if there was oh, no way, cool. somebody to, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, I was, I, I was an animal. I, and at the last two stops, I, Kept wanted, my helmet on. I just you wanted your got bed. out. Like me, like when I'm flying cross country, I want my bed, and I'll yeah. fly three hour legs. I don't care. Like it'll be. A, yeah. I just want to get home. Just get home. Yeah, like I've always been that get home. I just person. It's it's something that like I've always had to like fight, and so like I, I tend to not want to like put myself in the situations where I have to do the get home itis thing, because uh, I don't like it, you know, and I, I don't want to get into a situation where I get you know it really puts me at risk. But um, I ended up. You know, coming in right at, you know, it was, you know, the extra is funny uh, because my, I'm sure yours is too. Mine's certified day VFR only. Well, yours isn't certified, but like, I don't know if yours is placarded, you know, day VFR only. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of limits you because you can't fly at night, obviously. And so you got to land at, you know, civil twilight. And so it really, I was up against the clock and I, I mean, it was by the skin of my teeth that I got, got home in time. Like dust. And I was so tired. Really far gone dusk probably. Cause I was, yeah. I was shocked. I'm like, there's, I'm like, that sucks. I wonder if he's going to land and then drive home. Cause you know, I would, if I was like a half hour, an hour out, I just drive home to be able to get home and then go get the airplane a different day or something. Yeah. I, I ended up, um, so I got to thermal and then I got to Visalia 
and Visalia, there's just like nothing there. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to get stuck here. And I'm like, you know, I've got the time. I've got the time to do it. So uh, l- let's go, you know, and I, I was yeah. like, screw it, man. I'll just go 25 squared. You know, f- uh, we used to call that Friday power uh, in the old professional flying days. It's like, dude, it's Friday, man. Time to hit Friday power and get home early. So I was like, screw it, man. Full smash, full safe smash, you know, yeah. and, and, and make it, and I made it home, you know, I've been home with like a, you know, a little bit of time to spare, but it was like, it's like the latest I've ever flown the extra and obviously not a good fly plane to fly it, you know, close to nighttime. Um, but yeah, made it. I didn't have a single issue with that freaking airplane, man. I, I can't say enough good things about Southeast Aero and everybody there. They they set the airplane up beautifully. They repaired the airplane beautifully. Everything was put together beautifully. I didn't have a leak. I didn't have a screw come off. I didn't have dude, I'm not kidding you. I didn't have a single issue with this yeah. airplane. No, there was do. nothing I had to call Kramer and be like, hey man. They're great. Um, I mean you get what you pay everybody knows. I mean you can say what you want about them. They're expensive. I get it, but you get what you pay for. I mean they do a mm-hmm. phenomenal job and you don't have issues. No. And, um, you know, like I said, there was, there was a, a period of time where anytime the, the phone would ring from Southeast arrow, like my eye would start twitching <laughs> and, um, you know, Kramer would be like, Oh yeah, you know, we found this. So we're going to like do this, this, and this. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Like, yeah. can I just give you a ball and a kidney? Like, and just put it on, you know, I would have like, gave just, my kid, uh, you know, right. Here you go. Like, can you take my youngest, uh, <laughs> you know, do whatever you want. Yeah. Sleep. Uh, you know, she'll, she'll fetch a, yeah, she, yeah, she can work there. She'll fetch a good penny, you know, if you want to sell her, but like, she's good. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She'll make airplane noises too. Like, you know, Hey, bring her out yeah. there. You know, she'll, she's the, she'll sell some airplanes. Hell replace Doug, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I was like, man, I'm like holding back from like a Jeffrey Epstein joke right now. It's so bad. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, hold it. Don't. <laughs> I want to go back. Um, but yeah, now oh, Doug and Kramer, they're aces. They're really good guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the things that they did, they went above and beyond. I mean, I really, they really did go above and beyond. I mean, like, you know, they flushed the inverted system. They, they cleaned all the fuel lines. They cleaned the oil system, they cleaned everything. They, they replaced stuff on the, on the smoke system. I mean like stuff that had no business being touched, um, in regards to a, an insurance repair they did. And they, they looked at that airplane. Like, I mean, I, I think that's the thing is like why I had such confidence of, of just leaving, uh, was that they did so much to that airplane. So many little things, that won't get done like that again because I'm in California and they're in Florida. Like if I, I was so jealous, like there was a three airplanes in there for annual and I'm like, Oh man, how nice would it be to be here oh to have God. Southeast Arrow do your annual? How nice you know? would it be like, look at me though. Like I'm in New York and you know, there's all this uh, talk going on with the knowns and the knowns. I don't think they're approved yet or they had a board meeting and they are, or aren't, but you know, we don't get the knowns until that's a great segue by the way. Um, until yeah. like the middle end of November. So unless, you know, I can fly my plane and then commute every day or every other day down to Florida to practice it, I'm kind of, you know, shit out of luck. And, you know, yeah. all these fucking assholes down in the warm weather, you get the knowns and you guys are like, oh, let's go practice this for the next three months. And I'm up here freaking like shoveling snow. 
And dude, they, they have perfect weather. This whole week was like beautiful. Like the humidity is going down. Yeah. It's going to be like, so that's why they, you can wear shorts, but we wear a, sh- a sweater when you practice those guys the, down there. They come out swinging in March and April, fucking like just flying rock solid. And then I'm like, <laughs> you see my plane up there and it's just bobbling everything and <laughs> taking wagging out. And everything. That's what sucks, dude. That, that <laughs> rust is real, man. That's no joke. Yeah. It's no joke. I'm telling you. So, it ain't fair. I wish, I wish we can get the knowns out right after that. That'd be cool if we can get the knowns like two weeks. Can they just like buckle down? I mean, because they could bang that out in a day. With you know, with yeah, the people on the board are really smart. Um, I sound like Donald Trump. I know them. They know me. I, I know the smartest people. <laughs> I know them. They're the, they're the smartest minds. They're gonna get this job done. Many people know me. They say I'm the greatest. I will get you the knowns. That's but like, Donald impression. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. But yeah, if they can just like bang it out over a day or two and just get get us New Yorkers or the Northeast people or Northwest people the knowns or where we get snow, that would be great. I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> can I tell you why I'm an asshole? Yeah, I I know why. You're, well, oh, dude, go for it. One of the reasons why I'm an asshole. <laughs> I was, just looking at my, is, I was looking at my long list right here, but you can go first. I, dude, so many people are like, oh, I got to fucking, I, I'll tell you why you're an asshole. I'm going to get all, I'm going to get all kinds of messages. Great now. Segue. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> email, email in to the show. <laughs> no. Um, oh my, it, my, my, so I, the reason why I, I don't have a dog in this fight to like comment on this. Cause I'm not, a you know, I plan to be in a, a competitor in 2021, but like you're I really, weather. I have no reason to not, other than job and life, I have no reason to not compete. So I'm, I'm, I got to get off my ass and actually do it. But like the, the way in which the knowns are released, the proposed knowns are released and voted on. I really feel like that could use a revamp. Yeah. This is an outsider looking in, you know, um, our, our good friend, Justin Hickson. Um, yeah, we got to get him. You on. know, he's, he's, I was, I really, he said he's not interesting. Yet he writes me paragraphs on the stuff that that his opinion of matters and the goings on, and they're so fascinating to read, dude. Shout out to you, man. Yeah. Like I, I, I love it, dude. When like, he's we've been talking to Brian at night, we should definitely get him on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. I'd love to have him on. He, uh, he's got a really cool outlook on things, and and we've been talking a lot about this, and you know. I say this, maybe this is like the millennial, millennial in me. Again, there's, there's that post uh, cross country brain <laughs> on me. Um, po- the millennial in me a little bit is like, I, why can't this be, why can't an app be made that you get a notification about the knowns, you vote on them. And then the board just says, okay, here's the vote. Yeah. And it's done. Click, click, click. Everybody's on their cell phone. Yeah, that I would love to see that as an outsider. I want to see that because I'm interested in it. Like whether, and I think I I really do represent a measurable amount of people of like people that love. I fucking love aerobatics. I love this shit. I love this world. I love the IAC. I love the competing members. I love people that are in an RV. I love like guys like Rob Holland, like unlimited team members. Okay, uh, world competitors. You like, I love watching the advanced team. I love watching you guys fly intermediate. Justin freaking killed it yeah. at nationals. You there's know, like just, these guys are amazing. Integrate it so that everybody can, 
you know, even like what we're doing with this podcast, right? You know, and what we we've talked about it in in terms of doing like wrap ups and and report, yeah. you know, getting people on during the content. And I think that's going to be great because you know, I was talking to you about it on one of the first podcasts we were. I think it was with you, and you know, I would love to know what's going on, on the West Coast or in tech. Yeah. Like I. I love like everybody out there. You, you love the sport. You love the, uh, the camaraderie of it, but you know, there's no access from people that are not in your region to know what's going on. And like, no, it's so I, true. Yeah. When I started going to nationals and meeting all these people, it was really, it was a lot of fun. So I, yeah, I mean, maybe we can even, that'd be cool if we were like the, the hub. Um, I would love that. I, you know. And I think like, that's kind of what the aerobatic pilots Facebook page kind of inspired me. I was like, look at how centralized. Yeah. There's like memes and shit talking and, and like BS, but like, look at the community of people that can like, and you're always going to ask a question. You're going to knock it. That's just, that's inevitable. You're always totally. And I think most people it's, see through that. It's not for everybody. You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think it's a lot there's no people. such thing as everybody's cup of tea. It's yeah. a lot of people's cup of tea. Yeah. And it's, and I love it. And I, I, I like having fun and I like being able to keep it loose and not stuffy and stiff. Cause I think that's a big problem is like, people are afraid to do stuff in this industry for fear of like upsetting a, a certain crowd. Yeah. And that's going to prevent information from flowing. It's going to prevent changes. It's going to prevent modernization. And I think yeah. that if I could pick one major problem with the IAC, it's going to be it's hurdle to overcome the ability to modernize. And yeah. that it's a huge thing. I, I would love to see an official IAC group, like a Facebook group like that, where like somebody can be like, Hey, I want to ask a question and somebody can answer it or, Hey, the knowns are out. You guys have, uh, you know, five yeah. days to vote on them. Cause there's just without looking at that, at the website, which is not the most intuitive on the planet, you really have a hard time finding it. And I, I'm interested as totally you know, agree. unless you're like a real hardcore competitor, Maybe you are doing that, but like the people that just love this stuff as I call myself an outsider, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not the one making rule changes. I'm not the one that really uh, is affected by the inner workings of the IAC, but I, you know, seeing a snap removed from intermediate um, is interesting to me, whether I agree with it or not, it's super interesting. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And I love hearing the for and against. And I love seeing the outcome of it, but like and without an email or something, you know, like, or, or, a, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to, to stay involved. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there are some things that can be, um, modernized, uh, on the IAC, but I think, and I'm, and I'm equally to blame too. Like I didn't submit an, a no, a proposed known, I could have done that. And kind of, you know, what I'm getting at is that, people have to be a little bit less fearful to make contact or communication and, and quote unquote, put themselves out there or, well, what do you, you know, what do you feel like that, that concern is like, do you feel like people are afraid of being made fun of or um, no, not made fun of just being wrong. So like if somebody says like, okay. you know, like if somebody posts a video of doing like a half roll and they say like, oh, I don't know why my nose is dishing out. And you know, there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, Oh, well you're, you know, maybe you're fighting adverse show or maybe you got, you know, the wrong pedal in or blah, and they can see it, but they don't want to post it because if they post it and they're wrong, now they're embarrassed or whatever. But what I'm getting at kind of is um, just letting people be 
be put out there. Like if we do, that's why I ask you all the time when we do this podcast, like, Oh, how many views did we get? Oh, what kind of feedback? Yeah. Because I'm just curious, you know, what the count is because I think if, and even at the end of our podcast, when we was like, you know, let us know, like it, it really, it's not just us talking, you know, whoever's listening right now, it's not just us talking because we want to like, you know, build up our ego or whatever. We just, we legitimately want to know like what kind of base is out there. And, you know, it gives us more energy to, if there's a big base, like we're going to do more with it. But if there's 10, 15 people listening, um, you know, we're, we're, we'll do it, but it's not going to be like, I'm not going to go make videos and, you know, fly in guests and do guests, you know, make it like really like kind of crazy, which I want to do. But if, you know, we just have to hear from you guys, whether it's like cool show or like, thanks or like, like just take the five seconds, please. And, and just let us know. Yes. You know, we need it. Yeah, no. And, and we've been getting a lot of good feedback, which is great. And then also I love people, uh, suggesting things because, that again it's it's almost like because if they suggest things public too then like it will encourage others like right now there's really yeah. not a lot of public like when i saw uh dave's and uh luke's post like that was really cool like and there's got to be more of that and like it doesn't i don't need we don't need so much like well it'd be cool but like you don't feel like you got to put like some idea out there but just just right cool or like great show or like keep it going like something so we know to like Cause we don't know, like, we don't know exactly like who's listening and all this other stuff, you know, and other people want to see it. Totally. Oh, totally. No, I love it, man. Like, cause like, um, like I, I, this sounds very mother Teresa, but like, I, I like the idea of providing the pulse for what's, you know what I mean? Like tell us what's going on. Um, and we want to bring you people to hear from. Like, I, I know people don't want to keep hearing us talk. Like, you and I love talking. There's no doubt about it. And I love hearing you and you love hearing me. But I doubt that people want to keep hearing us. And, like, we, you know, we've already made contact with certain people. And, you know, and we want to uh, we want to bring on some guests and make it fun because we know you guys want to hear from them. But um, if there's not a lot of excitement out there, it kind of, like, uh, takes it a little, little bit away from us a little bit. Right? Absolutely. Uh, I, um, I don't know, man, like this is just another way for me to like stick my fingers in this world more. Cause I love it. Yeah. You know, and it's, 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 I don't know. It's a lot of fun, man. I, I, I really enjoy just like our, like our group chats, the <laughs> Facebook group, the podcast. I do, like, it's really, really interesting, you know, and it's fun. And the Facebook group is cool too, because that's kind of a gateway to see what's going on across the country and, you know, in different, different uh, countries in general. Yeah, totally. Cause yeah, you know, and I was talking, I was telling Justin this, it's like, and I think I've mentioned this, like, it's so funny how the IAC is the international aerobatic club. And yet it's such a U.S. interest based, um, governing body. And there's so many things that like are very specific to the United States. Right. And then I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird blend of, what's going on in the big picture, but it, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the big picture, like it's the world, what people are doing in other part in other countries really interests me. And I, I don't know how I feel like it's we for as international as the internet, as the IAC is, the, it's very unique to the U S 
Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense at all, or or is yeah, that most of the members are are U.S. and you know that's another question that I've had is is why don't we have you know the French have the FFA and um, Germans have the German Aerobatic Club. So I wonder why we don't have the United States Aerobatic Club and why it's going. That's be- kind of what I've always wondered. I and, then, and then like I guess what it, what it means or like what it would imply is like well what is the what is the real mission of the IAC like what if we had an US AC what would the IAC do yeah and that's why I think it makes it a little difficult for I'm actually wrong on that I was going to say something about the teams but the teams are actually on the it's actually the United States aerobatic team or advanced aerobatic or unlimited yeah it's different but yeah um is that like, how does that really work um, in the, like the fine print? Like, is that it's, you're obviously it's, it's the IAC, but it's a, is it a subsidy of the IAC? Like how, how does that work? I don't even know. It's I attached think- to the IAC, right? Uh, it is. And that's why I, I don't have an answer for you. It's a great question. Um, I think it's a board member question. Um, well, I it just shows how complex this is. Yeah, I, I don't have it because it makes no sense why why an international organization would only uh, back a United States uh, team, right? Right. Unless if other teams just haven't um, wanted to to come onto that um, part of the IAC. Um, I don't. It's know. going to sound ignorant, but it, it's almost that the IAC, like obviously, it's a division of the EAA, and I don't know how that relationship. I don't know if the EAA was like, hey, we need a little subset of aerobatics, so we're going to make the IAC, or if the IAC and the EAA merged. I don't know that history. Right. But um, it's almost like the EAA was like, yeah, you know, let's just, we'll make the International Aerobatic Club, and we'll be all encompassing. And then it was like, obviously, it's a U.S. interest club. Um, But it's almost like this is so, people are going to scream when they hear this, but it's almost like it's just poorly named. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost just like it's a poorly named organization. Like it's, it's improperly named. Yeah. And there's people out there that, um, that know the exact history of it because it wasn't always the IAC. Um, it, there used to be, I, it wasn't it like the North American Aerobatic Club, the NAC or something like that. There was like a couple of different names and then it went yeah. back to the IAC or there was like two clubs at the same time. I, there's a couple of people out there that have been in, you know, for like 30, 40 years that, that know the whole, um, and caboodle of it but um yeah i just i that's been like a question i've always had is why can't we have you know the american or the united states aerobatic club um and i do not have an answer for you on the uh, the team thing that's a really great question yeah no it, it just kind of shows it's probably me i, I, I mean, don't know the this i don't know i'm just not involved on the uh yeah, but you're, you're but you're an advanced team member. Like, if it's confusing to you, it's going to be confusing to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I know we report to the ISC board. I know that you know yeah. our manager um, wrote them a letter on what's going on. I know that they had to approve the team going into 2021 because of COVID. I know that all had to go through IAC. Um, so but, the IAC is the governing body of the team, and then the teams. Maybe it's I guess the team's its own entity. Yeah, I guess but like. But how does that affect Canada yeah. now? Because Canada is Canada. We probably, I probably sound so ignorant right now. It's terrible. No, it's, uh, but there's, like, there's this is the thing. It's like, the world. That's the thing. Like you see it online. Yeah. You see it on. Oh post. yeah. No, there's. Even the, on Twitter Aerobatics or even the IAC posts. Like they'll like repost something from like some guy in, you know, Brazil or something. Yeah. 
Like I assume. Yeah, and and all those all those countries have aerobatic governing bodies. And yet the IAC, here's the IAC that would be, would you would think would be like almost like a world organization, which it is, but it isn't. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think the other thing too, I think there's a lot of people that might not realize, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, are thinking this thing, but about why there's not an American club or whatever, but the IAC, I think the membership is 5,000 or a shade under 5,000. And I think there's the bigger problem is membership, keeping membership or growing membership. And yeah. I just think that's just not a, uh, a top agenda item right now um, at all. Yeah. Uh, that's probably. Yeah. And I guess uh, making it international does make the membership larger. Like why would you reduce that? Um, you know, why would you reduce your potential for membership by making something like national instead of international? We should get Jim Burke to talk to us because he's a brilliant guy. He'll know exactly, you know, the answer that we need. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I know we just kind of like we're just like talking out loud, but it's just, it is it is just like it's a thought, and I'm I'm sure a lot of people kind of think that don't know. Like if you know it, you obviously know the answer. But it, you know, it's an interesting. You know, Rob Holland talked a lot about like the you know identity crisis maybe being the wrong word but like just like you know the IAC finding itself right there's this grassroots talk there's you know presidential changes and board member changes and proposed changes and um just how the shape the landscape of how things are going to look coming yeah. up in the future like that's all interesting to me whether uh, you know whether you're a team member or a competitor or not like i'm super interested in this stuff and it, it, whether I compete or not, I'll still be super interested in this stuff. Yeah. So I have to imagine that a lot of people are too. Yeah. Um, I think that there's there's a ton of people out there. And I think that like everybody else in the world, not even aerobatics with anything aviation, there's a lot of people that, you know, hear the word aviation and they're thinking it's just a million dollars and you know, they can't afford it. And maybe they can't or whatever, but with aerobatics there's a lot of avenues to get into the sport without flying that are a lot of fun. Um, you know, judging yeah. you just being there, you know, you, you just be there and, and help out with um, the registrar or, you know, um, this, whatever there's, there's a lot of cool things you could do to help out and be a part of the sport. And I think a lot of people don't know that you don't need a plane to do that. Um, right. And, you know, there's some kids out there too that, you know, maybe don't like aerobatics flying it, um, but do you like the sport? I know a couple and you know, they, they would totally come and, and, and have a great time. There's a lot of people that go to, like we did a camp in Tennessee and there was a couple of people that came out with some cameras and those are all those shots that you see on Facebook, uh, from that camp. They're great. They're great. And those are just some random people that came out with their cameras and were, you know, just love the, love the sport and shooting, you know, shooting. That's the, super cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of, and that's in Tennessee, you know, it wasn't a, a crazy big town. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you take a place like New York or where you are in California, where it's, you know, saturated with people. And I'm sure you can find, you know, 0.01%, which would be a lot. And, um, you know, bring them out or whatever, or tell them where the contest is going to be. Yeah. And, and having things, this is going to sound like maybe the ISC should just, maybe the ISC should just pivot from competitions and then just host pancake breakfasts. And that's not, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. But like, you know, like to have, you know, it like, competitions are so far and few between if you really think about 
um, people's level of involvement in mm-hmm. flying. Now, flying, like, you know, I'm, I dip my toes as much as I can, right? I mean, I, I'm a professional, but I mean, my fucking world is flying. Right. But I, I'm a, I have a family. I have, you know, um, commitments outside of flying. But like, you know, in California, there's what, three competitions? There's Colinga, Apple Valley, and Borrego. Yeah, but California is huge. Like it's its own and it's huge. country almost. So like even though there's like three California contests, it's like me going to a contest in South Carolina. Like I'm not going to do that. No, totally. And and there and there's only three of them for the year. And so like if you're if your um, if your ability to intermingle with like-minded people is competition. And not necessarily chapter meetings. Maybe you don't live near a place where there's chapter meetings. I don't know. It's hard to stay connected. And I, I would love to see something like, you know, not pancake breakfast fly-ins, but it would be cool to see like chapters organized maybe a once a month, like just like a, like a fly-in and chill, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, and I know they do that with meetings uh, a lot of places, but more, more cool things would be. Uh, a nice thing to see. And I don't even know what, what that would mean, whether it would be fly-ins or get togethers, but you know, we're just where you could like just chill and shoot the shit. Yeah. Um, I think making the contest more fun is, is also a big thing, you know? Um, and obviously uh, there's people out there going, yeah, that's great. But every, you know, these things cost money and I get that. Um, yeah. But you know, there's certain things that I think would be a really big help. I uh, I made a joke. I forget if, which to you guys that if you, you know, at one of the contests, if you win a category, you know, you get like a WWF belt. Like if you want to sports my category, right? And you get a WWF. <laughs> yeah. So you'd have to come back to defend your belt next year and then you'd pass it on to the next guy. Like something like that where it could be, you know, just a total joke, but like it's funny yeah. and like, you know, it gets people talking and it's just cool or like making like a big leaderboard, you know, leaderboard type of thing where yeah. like instead of like a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with some, you know, typewriter scores on it, you know, get like a 12 foot by 12 foot blackboard thing and just up have somebody updating it and make it like a, a real competition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of speaks to like how I feel about competition, just looking at it. And this is so unfair. People that are going to listen to this are going to be like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like go, go compete and then talk. But like, there is a running theme with the IC where I feel like a lot of it is very sterile. It's vanilla. Like they're, very vanilla. It's very vanilla. Yeah. Where like to do some, some fun stuff like that would really incentivize. It sounds so dumb, but it I mean, really would. At, yeah. But like, look at IC 23. They have, I'd never been to their contest, but it's legendary that contest. I mean, and the big thing oh. when you talk about it and I have no, I, I hope I don't get anybody hating me for even talking about it. Cause I'm not a part of it, but you know, they have that thing with the bozo, with the clown, and it's whoever makes the. Yeah. I think it's whoever makes the biggest mistake. It's the bozo award, but people want that award. That's the, that's the funniest thing. So like, and it's no and people it, will it, like, yeah, yeah. So like, and that's and they have such huge turnouts, and that's for a stupid, not stupid, but it's a stupid co- clown costume that they bought, and yeah. they, and now they have like a bozo club. It's hysterical, and like, fuck, like I would want to be, I want to be a bozo. You know, like what do I have to do, like? I'll taxi into any, I'll taxi into a sign. I don't care. Like just get me to red nose. I'll do it. <laughs> right. No. It's so, so and I, dude, I follow IAC 23's Instagram, their Facebook page. And like, I'm ultra legendary, right? Cons- like, dude. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't, 
I don't know anybody from that chapter personally. I don't think like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm sure I do, but like, not like, I mean, they're across the country. And I you know? think that like that contest, you know, yeah, you go there and you want to do well, but I think that contest is a lot less pressure because it's more fun. And I don't think I would, I don't know. I let them call in and, and tell me what's right and wrong. Cause I don't know. But if I had to guess, you know, I'd say a lot of those competitors that go to the contest aren't going there because they care about winning or losing. They're going there to meet up with their friends. They know it's going to yeah. be a good time. They're going to have a lot of fun and they're going to get to fly. And that's what it comes down to. And I also feel like that makes you fly better. I mean, when you don't have that pressure of, you know, you're, there's a level of like, there's like a frenetic energy, like a nervous energy when like things are very sterile and vanilla and serious to where like, you can't let your guard down because you're worried about how others perceive you. And then like that transfers into, into like stiff flying. Yeah. At least I feel like where like, man, you just go out there and you just like, obviously you like, you want to like bring your a game and there's like a healthy competition, but it's like also like so much fun to where you just don't give a shit. Yeah. And, and like, if you don't, if you don't give a shit, you're going to like, you're going to fly better and it's, it's going to be way more fun. Yeah. And everybody, you know, that hasn't flown competition out there, um, that, and there's a couple people, you know, in New York that have some aerobatic planes that are flying and they're flying really good. And they were just like me. They think the competition that they're going to get blown out of the water and they're going to embarrass themselves. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Obviously, if you're an ass, you know, shithead pilot who is unsafe and yeah, practice, you're going to, yeah, you're going to make a fool out of yourself. But if you practice and you got a coach or a trainer or I'm sorry, an instructor or somebody who's, you know, got, got a background and accolades or whatever, you're going to have a lot of fun. Like you should not, I mean, obviously you're going to have some nerves going there, but go and, and you'll, you're going to do great. Like you're, you're going to have fun and nobody expects somebody at their first contest to even win. And if you do, that's amazing. Um, yeah, but it's a lot of fun. And there's so many people out there that are so, uh, hold, they're holding themselves back to, to going because they're so kind of like how nobody's posting about our podcast. Everybody's so afraid of what the reaction is going to be. And it's just like, just go like, and you're going to have fun. And I went and I thought I was going to, and I had a lot of fun. Everybody I talked to that first contest, they always had a lot of fun. So just go and be a part of it and try it out. And I promise you're going to have a great time. Hopefully 21, 2021 posts or, um, uh, hopefully it happens. Yeah. Hopefully 2021 happens without a hitch, you know, as far as a lot of this stuff, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, um, which is why I think a lot of people are kind of thinking to 2021, even now, like the, like the end of 2021, uh, as far as like, what can we do? You know, I think there's going to there be, might a be a part of this where this, what's that? I think there's going to be a spike in the numbers. Cause I think there's some people that kind of didn't know they needed a break from it and it was yeah. stagnant and, you know, taking a full year off, you know, sometimes the fire, you know, starts to regrow itself a little bit and, I think I think you're going to see a little bit of a jump in the numbers and competition attendance. It'd be a good thing. Yeah. Are you gonna you gonna go for it in 21? That's my my plan. Um, I just got an email today from our VP of Flight Ops um, about possibly getting recalled early. So I don't know what at what time of the I'm I'm on leave until August, and I don't know what. I just don't know what that looks like. If, if I'm going to get recalled early, um, I'm going to have to go back into training. So I don't know where that's going to fall and how that's going to affect things. I, I really do want to try to compete. Um, just, you know, I love this stuff and I, I talk about competition, so I got to do it. I can't 
can't be the guy that just continues to talk about this stuff and not do it. <laughs> so, um, it's fun. I, I'm telling you, I, I definitely want to do it. When you think about it, like, and what you're doing as a, co- a competitor, like there's not a lot of people doing this stuff. So what you're doing is already incredible. And, you know, you just have to know that this is fun. You know, you obviously you yeah. want to compete, you want to do well. Um, and, you know, you're already doing more than the average pilot's going to do in his lifetime. So that's already an accomplishment. It's super cool. So you just got to do it. And you know what? Like everybody, they're really, I really haven't run into any, any assholes at competition. Everybody's pretty, they have to keep them themselves or they're really cool. And I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's really good. And then, you know, if you fuck up in zero, which I've done plenty of, you know, they usually make you feel better by making you feel worse <laughs> saying something, yeah. something funny to you, sure. you know, and it's, uh, it's cool. You know, it's really cool. Well, I know you got to be thick skinned, but also like, I, th- I think the whole thing that that's why this podcast exists. That's why aerobatic pilots exist. Um, you know, Tom Webb had like messaged me and like, he's like, I'm thinking about starting a f- Facebook page. And, and at that time, I had thought about starting up a full-blown forum, like not, maybe it wasn't aerobaticpilots.com that I was thinking of, but um, I was right around that time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to host a a a legit aerobatic forum, like aerobaticpilots.com or aerobatics.com or something. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, It's a lot of work. Um, He created the group with me and a a couple other people, um, which and has since taken off and it's been amazing. But like this, um, uh, how do I... How do I say this? It, it's the ego thing. The you know, it's, it's interesting when you when you see egos and how that might pertain to aerobatics. And then you think about competition, and obviously, you, you know, you don't want to go there if you're going to get berated, right? But I don't think that's I don't think that's a common theme. And I think the people that I don't know, you know, it'd be interesting maybe to put a poll up to see like if you haven't competed, what is your apprehension? Like what's stopping you from competing? Um, And I'd be curious to see kind of what that, what that would be. It's valuable information. I mean, the board, the IC board would, I mean, I think that they would, uh, they would love that information. I would. Um, Yeah. Because then they, and I would too, as just a, as a, as a bystander, you know? Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is, is people are, are apprehensive to, to do something like a competition because of uh, what other people are going to think. And I yeah. think that's a, that's, it's legitimate that they feel, well, I can understand them feeling that way, but um, yeah. if you talk to anybody that's been to competition, they'll tell you that that is not what will happen at all. Like, Well, here's what's interesting and, and why um, I could understand people feeling that way is that, you know, and I've been guilty on both sides, right? Like I've posted videos and, and I've even sent you really shitty things, but like, um, you know, posted videos that like are not the best flying, like whatever. Um, but people, a lot of people don't show their real side. They, they want to have this. And this is like the ego, maybe outside of competition. Cause you can't hide how you fly in competition. Cause everybody you're being judged, right? There's just no way to, no way to hide it. Whereas like, you know, I do feel this sense or see this common theme online of a lot of people, don't want to show who they really are. Not maybe not like it from a personality standpoint, but like, you know, they're not posting all their flights, right? We want to, everybody wants to show their best. Everybody wants to show their best. And so a lot of people just don't show anything, not saying that they're not good pilots, but like 
good or bad, a lot of people just don't post anything. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking um, is we should make a post and just be and have people do the thread or whatever, and we'll call it you know show your worst. And I yeah. would have no, I got plenty of footage of, of terrible flying and that would be really Dude, I would funny. love that. That's actually not, yeah. I would do that. I don't care. I mean, it's obviously going to be I bad. <laughs> um, that, but, and that's the thing is like, it doesn't mean you're a bad pilot. Like that, we have this, there's a stigma for <laughs> sure in aerobatic flying where if you do something wrong, it means you're a bad pilot. No, ever. Not I that, wish that you just did the maneuver bad. Guys would, would, you know, hopefully they hear this and, and let them, you know, you know, there's kind of these things that like, you know, some of the top guys that they post shitty flying, you know, that could be, could ruin their, uh, I'm trying to word this right. You know, they're afraid maybe a judge will see it. That's going to be at, who is a world-class judge and they don't want to put out there that they're flying like shit because maybe great, yeah. great ability. I can kind of understand that to be honest, but if there's a threat out there that's like post and I've seen the top, some of the top guys fly and I've seen them mess up and like, you know, obviously I can't do the shit they're doing, but you know, everybody makes mistakes, but if there's a threat out there, you know, that'd be fucking, that'd be really cool to see some, some of the botches and everything like that. I actually have a video I'll post, you know, what I'll do is I'll post the video I was doing. I was at a camp in Tennessee and uh, we were doing half flicks and I hadn't done half flicks to the right. Um, so I just had to figure it out. And the first one I did, you know, I did it, but it was just really crappy. And all you heard was, um, Rob and AJ and everybody else who was on the line just laughing their ass off at me, <laughs> 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 and it was hysterical. So I uh, I cut it up and sent it to all them and and told them to go f themselves and as a joke, obviously. And um, it was really funny. And uh, so I mean, everybody fucks up. It's just I saw Rob flying and practicing, and even though his f ups weren't bad at all, you know, it was still kind of you know, certain things. I hope he doesn't hate me for saying that um no he's gonna hate you for sure until i have like a red dot on my chest right now yeah you're screwed (laughs) no and that's the thing is i I mean obviously somebody i mean you included these the uh, elite level competitors and and aerobatic pilots like your fuck-ups are obviously um as you get better and better better the level of fuck-up reduces but almost in a way as your fuck-ups reduce when you fuck up becomes a greater, um, the, the amount of fuck up reduces, but the scope of the fuck up is increased because you're, you're supposed to be the best. Like these, the top, top guys in the world, even a little, you know, screw up. It's damaging because the, the, the competition so stiff that like just a little, I mean, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, like, you, you try to snap and you end up or you hammer spun like that. <laughs> like the top guys, I don't think you're doing that, no. you know, but like a little bobble or a little over rotation or a little dish, yeah. you know, like that's, it's small. And like a lot of people wouldn't even catch that, but a top judge would. And in co- top of a competition, you're like, Oh shit. That was a major fuck up for that, that person. Yeah. Hold on. I'll play the clip. Hold on. Can you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> see like it's just uh you gotta love it right <laughs> how bad was it what what happened i'll post the video i don't give a shit 
I'm posted. It was a half flake that I fucked up. <laughs> but it was a awesome. I was watching the uh the video after the flight and just <laughs> <laughs> And then there was another one where I um uh, what was it? I was doing uh, uh some sequence and I was I wasn't working the wind right. And AJ is in the background like, I fucking told him this stupid idiot. <laughs> and he said, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so it's funny, man. It's a lot of fun. And that's it's, awesome. You know, good everybody listening who's, you know, looking to get into competition. Um, it's a lot of fun. Don't think it's, it's, I mean, you, it's serious when you're in the airplane. There's no doubt about it, but you know, it's a, sure. it's a lot of fun um, when you're hanging out. If you out. can't laugh like that though, you almost shouldn't be doing it. No, you'd almost have the wrong mindset. No. Yeah. And that's kind of like a, a pro and con of, of us aerobatics, you know, where the, f- why the French are so good because, you know, it is, you know, for a lot of them, it's a, um, they're in a club and they get access to an airplane. And I don't want to use the word, pri- you know, privilege because a lot of them are, are very talented pilots and they deserve to be there. Um, oh yeah. But, they need to perform to, to stay there. And it's a lot different of a mindset. And I think that is a big attribute of why they're so good. Um, because it's just a different, you know, anybody who's ever competed in sports, whether professionally college or whatever, um, you need to perform to stay. That's just yeah. how it works. And well, and that's, they, they run that team. Like, um, like I'm, I'm big into cycling and like any, I mean, any professional team, you're right. I mean, but like any, you know, you're, you're, selected i mean much like they are here but if you aren't you know you're probably picked for a purpose whether it's you know a certain skill set you have um in flying that that it like you know it might be a certain maneuver that you're really good at or or have some level of knowledge obviously you're like a really good competition pilot at that stage but if you're not able to cut the mustard yeah you're gonna be cut yeah you're gonna be gone I mean, I know. And so there is definitely a motivation to do well. Yeah. I might be off a little bit, but I want to say two weeks or a week before competition, the French, they had, from what I understand, they have dropped certain pilots and brought up certain pilots before a world. I like could buy that. A week or two before the competition. And with the US, um, that doesn't happen. I mean, there is a new, I don't know if it got passed, you know, or, uh, or uh, our friend Jessica can tell us, but um, there is a rule now at nationals where the eighth pilot who makes the team um, isn't automatically on the team. Um, that person, like say, for instance, you have somebody who's a phenomenal aerobatic pilot who's been to you know a couple worlds, who's done good, maybe medaled, and for some odd reason, you know, zeroed half the flight and just didn't make the team that way. So now you have yeah. somebody who's very capable and maybe, you know, lost out by just a little bit who's not on the team, but you know, that that's a big dagger in the U S chances to win a gold, which is what in, you know, individual goals are nice, but you know, team gold is what it's all about. So, yeah. you know, it's a good rule. I mean, it's a good rule for everybody, but the person in the eighth spot is what it comes down to. Right. You know, but some of these, you know, that's some of these changes and that one's definitely one of them where like the, the, the team is bigger than the individual. So like, yeah, you got to have the ability to curate the team somewhat. Yeah. You know, have some say, yeah, I, you know, 
Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, I wrote about it. Um, I could send you the letter, but what I felt was that it needs to be at least two pilots that aren't guaranteed the spot because you're kind of putting that last person on a lonely island. Um, and nobody wants, and it's just, it's, it's like an odd man out type of thing. Like it, it's, it's tough for one person. Um, I think yeah, it, you are kind of singling out. Yeah, exactly. That's the word I was looking for. So I kind of voted for two or three people to not be guaranteed the spot, not to say that they can't get it, but you know, it's have it up to a vote or something. Yeah, exactly. Something like that, which it is. I think it's a team vote. Um, and you know, I mean, you can, like I said, uh, for the person that's in that position, uh, it's a really, it's fucked up. You know, it's really shitty, especially when a new rule comes that hasn't been in effect at all in U S team history. So, um, but what I like to see happen is, is really the alternate spot, be taken more seriously and let the alternates, you know, be a part of the team um, in a more substantial way. And two weeks, three weeks before a world's, if, you know, seven and eight aren't doing good, it's like, sorry, man, alternate one and two are fucking ripping it right now. And it's been nine months. They did a series. You could do a lot of training in nine months and they're, you know, they're basically kicking, kicking ass right now. And, beating some of our top guys even some you know who knows so can you not do that right now can the alternate only fly if another uh, team member is unable to fly at this point yeah i believe that's the uh, yeah that's the point and i doubt so yeah that would that would be that would give a lot greater flexibility to like put like just sub essentially sub a person in sub the alternate in yeah and it's not so much flexibility it is flexibility but it also keeps everybody in check so like if you're seven eight or yeah. or whomever it will, especially seven, eight. So if you're seven, eight and you know that this alternate is fucking like training every two weeks, working his ass off, you know, now it's like, well, do you want to be on, you know, seven, eight's got to ask themselves, do I want to be on a team? Do I want to put the work in? Um, you know, can I be, you know, so it keeps people motivated and even for five and yeah. six, one, whoever on a team, it keeps everybody in check that like, you're not guaranteed this. Yeah. So I, I, boy, working on. I can't argue with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough, and again, like, you know, if you're in, in whoever happens to have to deal with this in the future, um, when you're in that position, it's fucking annoying um, to, to probably be in yeah. that position. But as a whole, like you were saying, you know, it's super beneficial as far as increasing your chances to win. And I feel like, you know, if the rule is, is such, I mean, do you really want to be the eighth person? I mean, especially in situations where like, I mean, these are du- like, you know, participation is dwindling to the point where are you just going to get eight people and the eighth person's scores are going to be, you know, 20% less than. Well, I think there's the a new, seventh. There was a new thing that was on the documents for their meeting. I think there's something in, in the effect of uh, you have to score like 65% or something to qualify for the team now. So you're not no okay. guaranteed a spot, which I think. Yeah. Is is a step in the right direction. Um, yeah. But that's a whole another topic. Yeah. Yeah. But well, speaking of topics, do we have anything else, anything else we want to jump into or? Yeah, we got a lot, man, but I think, uh, should we wrap? <laughs> I think it's been like, how long has it been? Let me look. <laughs> We're two hours, two hours and 21 seconds right now. It's crazy. No, that's fun. Yeah, dude. I hope time flies, brother. I hope they love it. I love it. I think they will. I think they will. 
Yeah, I'm glad to record, man. Glad to be back. Glad yeah. to have the airplane back. Glad you're back safe. Glad to be it's freaking long. Yeah, me too. Long, it was a long haul. Trip. 1800 miles, 18, 1800 and, and like forgot what I, I mapped it out, but 18, like, I think it was 1826. And I think I did a thousand of that, uh, yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to post this bit actually right after we get off. And Sweet. I can't wait to see it. I wonder what I should title it. Um, let the, let the, uh, shellacking begin. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll figure something out funny. <laughs> I can't wait to see it, brother. Cool, man. All right. So I'll, uh, I'll catch you next Sunday. Sounds good. Monday. Yeah. Let, maybe, maybe before then, I don't know. Let's, should we just record every day? Yeah. We need a cool sign off by the way. Cause it's so awkward when we end. <laughs> well, usually I cut it off and then I do some posts, but like, um, you know, this podcast, it's getting to the point where like maybe a, a legit intro and outro is probably due. Yeah. Theme song. Yeah. People will hire one of those like radio announcers. <laughs> that'd be kind of sweet yeah you Welcome know back to fly cool shit you need there's got to be an aerobatic pilot out there that's got some type of you know, like that homeless guy that you know had the amazing gold voice had the beautiful voice yeah Looking for the mac and cheese company now <laughs> <laughs> we should call him if up. you're an aerobatic pilot out there and homeless <laughs> and have a beautiful voice and you're not dead hit us up you, and, and you're, you're not dead yeah <laughs> sorry todd <laughs> oh todd todd's canopies even worse that he's dead how am i gonna get one now oh uh, you're screwed you're screwed no, I have to, i'm gonna have to get a new canopy without tent and look like an idiot yeah you and matcha both tinted canopies like ready to put some furry dice in your airplane <laughs> <laughs> his deserves it this is all white he needs some white dice in there yeah he needs some chrome <laughs> i'm gonna go yeah. to boys and buy like the stick on chrome <laughs> and put it on his oh man <laughs> Put some curb feelers on, chrome curb feelers on his wheel pants. Oh my God. That would be hysterical. Much <laughs> <laughs> no, just refuses to come on this podcast. I know, man. Is that Carbone again? Like yeah. an asshole. Such an asshole. Someday we'll get him on. Maybe. I don't want him on anymore. Done with him. No, I kind of don't want him on either. Yeah. Now Screw I want to do it. <laughs> the sign up should just be ripping on Mancha. <laughs> <laughs> and now for the segment. <laughs> All right, man. It is now time for. <laughs> All right, brother. Till next time, huh? All right. See y'all later. Next week. See ya. Okay, guys. Episode nine. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. www.flycoolshit.com is the website. Flycoolshit at gmail.com is the email. Shoot us in uh, an email. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know uh, what we can do to make the show better. Any questions, comments, or concerns, we want to hear about it. So, yeah, drop us a line. Or you can message Jeff or myself on Facebook if you know us personally. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify or download the episodes right on flycoolshit.com. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll uh, talk to you next time. See ya!